to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Thank you musicians, singers, and those who help keep this building nice, clean, tidy, and safe. We don't take you for granted. We, we are thankful. We ought to appreciate the hard work you do. You came back at midnight last night and practiced this morning. Thank you for your commitment. Because of you, God's Spirit dwell here. I really appreciate your help and your devotion. Amen. In so many ways, more than one. God knows what you do for him. Hebrews chapter 10. And I must confess, I'm possessed with the end time. I am. The reason why I am, because I know the church is sleeping. I'm doing everything in my power to wake up this church. I've got friends now that changed their laughter off me and begin to ask, would I come and preach for them? Because something is coming to roost. And I believe God wants you to be ready. The devil is not going to let you stay neutral, so help me God. The black horse rider is going to make you decide if you're a Christian or you're something else. And that one moment could decide whether you go to hell or heaven. But the devil will not let you get off easy. He is angry like a wounded bear. You wounded animal, he's very angry. And Satan is wounded. But so is Jesus. He's also wounded too. And he's angry, but he's not showing his wrath yet. We're going to turn to the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews. And I want to talk to the church. I'm not worried about the world one bit. I'm talking about to the church of Jesus Christ. Verse 19, chapter 10 of Hebrews. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness by the blood, or the holiness by the blood of Jesus Christ, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us Christians through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for it is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love, unto good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more. You see the day approaching. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we need your help. We need your help. In times like these, we need a savior. One that can guide us and lead us through valley in the shadow of death. Where we need not fear no evil. Because thou art with us, thy rod and thy staff promise to comfort us. We thank you, God, that you will spread a table before us. In the midst of the presence of our enemies. That our oil and our cup run over. Because your blessing is upon the church. Give us unction and anointing this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Would you put your Bible and clap hand to Jesus? 
in recognition of the goodness of God. By the time it's over, I'm going to give you nine reasons why you don't want to be a backslider. I'm going to give you nine reasons why you don't want to be a backslider. Let's worship God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your word. You may be seated. The Bible says that one-third of the angels are reserved in the blackness of darkness, in chains of darkness. And the only sin that they had that I know of in my Bible is that they left their first estate. In heaven, there are estates. Angels are designed to worship and praise God and to bring glory and honor to Almighty God. In fact, angels like Lucifer, Michael, and Gabriel had distinct place in the sanctuary in heaven. That specific role that God gave them. And we know that Lucifer did not show up and carry out his duty. But one-third of the angels fell. And all God said to us was, they left their first estate. And God put them in chains of darkness. They are running rampant in darkness today around our world. And I don't know how they do it, but they are causing problems around our world. Their influence is everywhere. And then God made himself a beautiful world and placed humanity there. And in that place of humanity, God put Adam and Eve right in the Garden of Eden. And for the purpose of communicating and communing with God. And God told them, children, do not do certain things. And the Bible says, after God left, another voice came, contradicted God, reversed what God said, and they took side with the enemy. Now, God made Adam and Eve for the purpose of communing, coming together and, and fellowshipping. Well, in the cool of the day, the Bible said God came and asked, Adam, where art thou? In other words, Adam was not at the place where he should be. And I believe the scripture that would affect Adam is this, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. We are compassed by great cloud of witnesses. There are examples and role models and types and shadows that God has given to us whereby we may have confidence that we can say our God is predictable. Our God is not haphazard running here and there, but we can tell by the cloud of witnesses how God feel about relationship. And how God feel about specific activities among his people. Adam and Eve lost the Garden of Eden because they failed 
to show up at the place of gathering. Where is Adam? Where is he? Now, the man Christ Jesus is God manifest in flesh. And he gave us a parable showing us how in-depth God is with relationship with his people. He said, a shepherd had a hundred sheep, came to the fold, looked around, could have said, well, there's a nice crowd, but he did not. Did a roll call. Did a head count. He said, there are 99, and one was missing. He was not prepared to lose that one, but he left the 99 with a porter of the gate and went to find that one lost sheep. That shows that God does keep inventory of those that belong to him. If you ever experience a born-again experience valid by the scripture, there was a time when your name was on the roll. There was a time when you had the Holy Ghost. There was a time in your life when you were baptized in Jesus' name. There was a time in your life when you spoke in tongues. There's a time when you said you loved God. And you said you would worship him. But something happened in your life that make you missing in action. And your seat is vacant. And the shepherd came and looked over the flock. And said, there are 99, and one is missing. He does take inventory. The mouse know that when God brought Israel out of Egypt, he took them to Mount Sinai and told Moses, keep them ready for two days. On the third day, gather my people together to meet me at a rendezvous, a place where I said I want to meet with them. Moses' job was to prepare them. God is keeping inventory how many came out of Egypt, how many is blood impacted, how many were spared the death angel. And God said, bring them on the third day and let them commune with me. And Moses did exactly what God told him. At that time, the number was okay. And then the Bible tells us, God said to Moses, tell them, build me an ark. And put that ark in the midst of my people. And there we will meet and commune and communicate. God wanted to have fellowship with us individually and collectively. God told Israel, I'm going to give you three trumpets. When you hear the trumpet sound, one call is to the muster station. The gathering of my people to a muster station. Anybody that don't show up will be killed on the spot. Another trumpet would blow. It's for the marching of his people. And they must know the sound and the distinctness that it gives. The third trumpet God gave is a call for war. 
every Israelite, every boy, every girl, every child, every person that came through the Red Sea was baptized in the sea and in the cloud, they must know that sound. They must know the muster station. They must know where they're gathered together when the call is made. And God said, nobody must be absent. Now, God's eye is greater than that of an eagle. And he watches over us just like he watches over the sparrow. And he knows who is absent and who is present. God is so in-depth in particulation about us that he knows the number of your hair. He knows when a sparrow falls to the ground. And he knows when you're absent from the body and you're present with the Lord. And he knows when you are absent from church and present in your home. He knows where you are. And he can send out a warrant for your arrest. And it does happen to a lot of people. So God knows where you live. He knows what you're doing. He knows what's happening. And he will call you to a time of accountability whether you like it or not. Now I work on the plant before. And we were taught very carefully there's a muster station. In fact, they literally walk us to the muster station. They take the entire staff and they say, this is where you meet. When you hear that call, you show up. You don't go on that bus. You don't go home. You show up right here. And if you ever not show up, we're going to fire you. That's the honest truth. We've gone on a cruise before, and nobody on the cruise liked what they do. They said, now, folks, we're not sailing until you know the muster station. You're not going to sail anywhere until you know the gathering point. I want you to know when there's danger, we're together. I don't want you running around like chicken without heads. I want when you hear that sound, one Two, three, and a loud one, it means come right here. Number two, cry mean the mean the, the, the those people in charge of you must come and meet in a certain spot. And each of those three calls have distinct meaning. I wonder if you folks know what time it is anyway. I wonder if you know what call God is giving right now. Amen. But they said, I want you to know what this mustard station is. I want you to see it for yourself. And then on the airplane, they teach you. I've watched people ignore, <laughs> you know, the, the training for escape. People just ignore what, their computer. And, but you know why they do that? Because the problem hasn't come yet. But they're the first one to cause panic. They're the first one to cause chaos. Because they have no idea what the call means. When they say, fasten your seatbelt. You got bumpy down the road. That pilot can see long before you see it. He knows long before you know it because he's connected to a higher authority that tells him what's coming down the road. And so Apostle Paul, in chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews, is writing to the Hebrew saints as well as the Gentile churches and reminding us that we're not, amen, guiltless if we allow certain events to happen to us. Now, God told Israel, 
I want you to have three cities in your country. I gave you 12 locations, but you got three cities. And I make sure you don't have to have too far to go. It's never too far to go to obey God. God has not given you an edict that you cannot understand. God has not given you a command that you cannot obey. You have to choose if you will neglect or hearken to the instruction. And God said, this is called a city of refuge. One right here, that's your muster station. If you ever get in trouble and you're running for your life, this is where you run to. If you are on this side of the, the map, here is where you run to. Every Israelite needed to know that location. More than you know where your cows are. More than you know where your wife is and your husband is. You better know that spot. Because the avenger of blood, when he comes for your head, he's not going to bat an eye. He's coming for your head. Know this spot. Make sure you kids know this. And over here is another place. That shows the goodness the kindness and the preparation of God. Anybody got slain by the avenger of blood, they willfully ignore direction. They willfully didn't pay attention to divine instruction. And they chose to go on their own pernicious way and do their own thing and forsake the assembling of themselves together. And you know what's going to happen? Crisis. Problem. Paul, in chapter 10, when you go there with me, the book of Hebrews, he's showing that there are two kind of sinners. And I want to talk about the sinners in the church. The people in the world, they sin in ignorance. But every backslider sin willfully. You're not sinning because you don't know the truth. You're not sinning because you have had a revelation. You had a time when God showed you the truth. You had a time when you know what's written in that word of God. You felt the power. You tasted the world to come. And you had, you've been blessed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know what you're doing. You know what you're living is wrong. You know where you are is not right. You know you've come short. So you're not ignorant. You're just a willful sinner. And Paul said you are in grave trouble. Because you, unlike the sinner, you have chosen willfully to be ignorant of the times. You chose to do what you habitually have been doing. That is to neglect to meet at the muster station. You chose and refused and to accept the plan that God has for your life. In other words, you are an abuser of the privileges that God has made known to you. And basically, you have used your liberty for a cloak of sin. The man on your job does not know that you are an apostate. The person on your job doesn't know that you're a renegade. They don't know that you're a traitor to truth. They don't know you're a backslider. They don't know that you one time tasted the world to come. You know why? Because you hide the truth under a bushel. You are hiding among the stuff. And God said you've used your liberty as a cloak for sin. 
What a wicked place to be found to find yourself being called by God. You are sinning willfully. You know it's wrong. It's like a woman take a scissor and cut her hair. She willfully sin. Hey, yes, yes. And here's the problem. And they keep doing it. Amen. Let's worship God. Willful sinner despise the grace of God. They mismanage freedom. Because you see, the church does not come looking for you when you decide to skip church. Just mark them there, missing in action. Hallelujah. Where are they missing? They chose and refused to show up at the appointed time. If you and I was an Israelite in the month Abib, it's time for the Passover. You better show up. I said, you better show up on the Passover. You better show up because God is watching. God who brought you to Egypt is watching. And God says, every family must be represented at this spot. Not anywhere you want to meet, but at this spot. Because I brought you out from the house of bondage. I, I redeem you at my lamb. <laughs> and I brought you through the Red Sea. And I baptize you in the cloud. And you're mine. I don't care how backsliding you are. I don't care if you join Isis or the Antichrist. You are still his. You are purchased with a price. I don't care if you deny him. I don't care if you say I don't know him. I don't care if you live in the city like you never had the truth. You're still his. And you may try to deny you're one of us. You're still one of us. Because the blood of Jesus Christ is on your feet. We got the blood in our heart, but his blood is under your feet. And because of your rebellion, it's on your head, but not on your heart. When Pentecost comes, every person must drop their pots and pans and show up at that station. You better show up. This city is full of backsliders. I know where they're going. Isis can't do them enough atrocities than what God had planned for them. What Isis is doing to so-called professing Christians cannot be compared to what God planned for backslide. The worst person on earth is not a sinner. Isis have more hope than a backslider. Can you believe that? My Bible tells me it will be more tolerable for Sodom gays, lesbians, than for a backslider. We, we, we talk against gays, and we talk against lesbians, and we talk against all these immoral people. They're not the problem. The problem are backsliders. They're worse. Ten times worse. Because see, God has a plan to save those people. But the 10th chapter of Hebrews says, no more sacrifice for you, backslider. Bring me any gay, and I promise you God can save him right now. Bring me any lesbian, and God can save him. 
Bring me a murderer and God can save him. But bring me a backslider. I wonder how far has he gone. I wonder how far has he gone. And the first step towards backsliding is forsaking the assembling of ourselves. Pretty soon it becomes natural and normal. They have learned to adjust to the darkness. The worst people on earth is not Isis. is a backslider. A backslider is going to be married to the Antichrist. He can't miss it. Because God has a program for all you backsliders called Strong Delusion. And let you believe a lie and be damned. That means damning I can't help you. Think about it. What a state to be in. All because you mismanage freedom. He said, let's come boldly. You can come to church as often as you wish. And there are people in Africa, in Europe, who cannot go to church because they could lose their head. They could lose a limb. And you have all that freedom. And you abuse that freedom. And use that liberty for a cloak of your sin. You think you're getting off? No, God hasn't forgotten you. There's a mark on you, friend. There's a mark of damnation, a mark of amen, of, of, of Cain, the mark of, of Judas, a mark. Hey, I'm trying to tell somebody in this church, I don't want to be an habitual sinner. God said there's no sacrifice for it. Now, I know there are people in this church that can't miss hell. You're going there. I'm not trying to put you there, but you're not going to miss it because your spirit, you don't believe nothing I'm telling you. Because you believe a lie, be damned. You're going to sit right there. The worst thing God could ever say to us is leave them alone. What does that mean, Jesus? They're heading for the ditch. Think about it, church. God said, look, I made a sacrifice for your salvation. Everything I gave you is better than what you had. I gave you a better, co a better covenant, a better testament, a better promise, a better hope, a better entrance, a better calling. I've done all these things for you. And the best you could do for me is crucify me a second time. Paul says, number one, if we are guilty of missing church, and folks, I'm telling you, you think it won't happen to you. Well, I'm going to tell you, a backslider, for over 30 years, he's backslidden and never felt a call from God. And the first time he hit the ground and got sick, he was pleading like any First time sinner coming for salvation. He cried. He sighed. He pleaded. And as hell moved up to meet him, hell came up. He could feel hell burning on his feet. He could feel hell over his hand, hell in his head, hell over his body. He could feel the flame burning in him. And he's begging God and bartering God. And seeing that God was just remote. I can't help you. I got no sacrifice for your sin. You've used up the cup of grace. You've 
Run out of space. You're on your own. He said, Pastor, he let them part of a sin. Here's what Paul says. There is no sacrifice acceptable to God but that of Jesus Christ. And if you trample that blood under your foot after you've been sprinkled from an either conscience and you do despite unto that, he said, there's no more sacrifice. You see, God can save terrorists. There's no bigger ISIS terrorist in the Bible than Apostle Paul. He was a wicked murderer. He slaughtered Christians. He murdered them. But you can't find one backstab in the book of Acts that God saved. Name of them. He put out an essence of fire just like that. No recovery. Demas left. No recovery. Do you know that you can talk about? Diatrophies went out. No recovery. Are you going to be a statistic? Are you going to sit here and let me preach like this? And you go to hell. You don't have to. You're not there yet. There's still hope. I'm telling you, God brought you here to tell you one more time. This is your last call. Turn while you got a chance. Backsliding is gradual. You skip church and skip church and find the word of God and nothing happened and nothing happened. And push you go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And push you captive of the devil. He said, you have trampled the blood. Of Jesus Christ. Every sinner walked through that door. The blood of Jesus Christ is on their head. You know why? Because they have not lived for God. But when they learn and turn to God, the blood is on their heart. But a backslider, he does this. I don't believe nothing you're saying. I do it my way. You know the Friday Central song? I do it my way. Who is God talking to? Which of you going to end up in the lake of fire? Which of you on the right or the left going to end up in hell? You say, I don't believe it. A girl said to me this week, Pastor Neil, soon she'll be talking to you. A little kid, that's all I'm going to say. And her mom says, I'm asking about you. I'm talking much about you. I said, call him, call him. I thought, yeah, I know what's happening. Since 1980 to now, truth is going over their mind. It's finally coming to roost. Prophecy is coming to pass. The end of time is materializing. Amen. And nobody is more fearful than a backslider. Backslider have more fear than a sinner has. Because they know the end from the beginning. They know every step of the way, the drama. What's going to take place? They know the book of Revelation. They know what God says he's going to do. And they see it happening. But they just can't drag their carcass to get to the place of repentance. Because of pride or the grip of sin. And they can't turn. I thought to myself, boy, I remember a lot of things about this character. She said, why don't you call him? Call him. Call him. Why don't you call him? <clears throat> Well, church, you know something? A backslider don't have it easy. When I came to church as a sinner, there was only one devil bothering me. But when you backslide, you know how many bothering you? Seven plus one. Eight devils. And they hold 
I won't let you come back. I won't let you get back. I will mess up your mind. I'll blind your ass. I'll cut off your heart, your sensitivity. I'll make sure you don't feel nothing. Oh, he's just a preacher. He said it before. He happened before. Where was the promise of his coming? He ain't going to come. Ten years ago, he said that. Twenty years ago, and pretty soon you die. After death comes judgment. Let's worship God. I'm not through. But I want to give a chance to repent. I'm going to invite you to get up under your seat right now. Run under the altar. You're going to die with a friend I know. He said, God, give me one more chance. And I'll be the janitor of that church. God said, I don't need janitors. Since you left, I got a few more came in. And everything he mentioned, God said, I don't need it. I got somebody that's doing it already. Somebody could take your place. Let's stand. I'm going to cut this short. If you walk out here to the backslider, you're a fool. You know what a fool is? So there is no God. He that believeth not shall be damned. Lord, why should I not be a backslider? Here's what I fear. Number one, for if I sin willfully, after I receive the knowledge of the truth, there remain no more sacrifice for the sin of a backslider. Number two, verse 27, but a fearful looking for of judgment, backslider, and fire indignation, backslider, which shall devour you as an adversary, backslider. Number 20, 28 says, and he that despised more than the Lord die without mercy. I mean, you're going to die without mercy? On the two or three witnesses. In other words, two sinners came and got saved and you saw it and you still wouldn't turn. You know what God can do. You see what God's done and still you won't turn. What's wrong with you? The fourth reason why I don't want to be a backslider. <coughs> he says, backslider, of how much sort of punishment suppose ye shall be thought worthy of since you've trodden under your foot the Son of God and account the blood of the covenant which he sanctify you with as an all what? Holy thing. And you've done despite to the spirit of grace. He said, Pastor, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? Absolutely nothing. Live like you've always lived. You're on your way to hell. There are people in this church, I know you're on your way to hell. It's not because God didn't love you. God tried. He tried so hard to save you, and you are bent on not changing. And I know you're not going to change, but I'm still preaching to you anyhow. But when you face hell, my voice will come back to you. It says, remember in your lifetime, he talked to you. He spoke to you. He preached to you. He was anointed. He was appointed. And he gave you a word from God, and you didn't listen to him. Go ahead, look at me, stare at me. But when the flames come up to burn your backside, you're going to say, oh my God, have mercy on me. I'm not being mean-spirited. Paul says, you're going to die without mercy. Grace has been abused and misused. Who's God talking to? You don't need an altar call. You should run to this altar and say, God, while there's still chance, while there's still hope. 
If you're planning to backslide, you chose a bad time. Three times God says to come to church. Passover, Pentecost, and the Day of Atonement. I know this doesn't sound good, but I'm not a hireling. I'm a preacher. I'm going to preach truth to you. Because you can't come back and repent. Would you come right now? Pastor, what am I doing wrong? You're skipping church. You won't be in church tonight. You won't be in church on Tuesday night. You won't be in church Friday night. You know why? Because you don't believe nothing I say. But God will judge you. Because God says he despised truth. God has approved of what I'm saying. God has ordained what I'm saying. God will judge you for what I've said. I'm going to ask you, what will you say? What will be your reason why you can't go to church in the pits of hell? Hell is not for the men and, men and women. It's for the devil and his angel. You won't be in church tonight. You won't be in church Tuesday night. You won't be there Friday. But if you get to heaven, friend, it's church every day. They cease not to worship God night and day. So if you can't serve God down here, you can't serve over there. Because church is a dress rehearsal. But heaven is the practice, is the actual action when you do it. You know what I'm preaching this way? Because next year, 2016, the world's going to change. 2017, the world's going to change. 2018, the world's going to be damned. Where will you be? Husbands, don't go to hell for your wife. Don't compromise. Be like Job. And tell her her ideas are foolish. Husband, don't do like Lot. Wife, I mean wife of husbands, don't look back. Don't look back. Don't look for the weakest church to go to. They give you what you want. Tell it to do what you want to. Then you go to hell. One third angels in chains of darkness. Adam and Eve kicked out of the paradise. And you and me don't have to be kicked out of anywhere. We can go to heaven. We don't have to be locked out. I've got no axe to grind. I just love you. I love your soul. Who is God talking to? Who is God talking to? God approve of what I'm preaching. He approve what I'm teaching right now. And he's trying to tell you, my coming draweth nigh. Paul says, so much the more as you see the day approaching. Never no more. Oh, 
your heart. Lord, I'm asking you right now, please don't go to hell. 